I don't think they like made Anna take her clothes off. So they'd be like, let's look for something. That's what I would have done. All right, you, this, this is too weird. You have to take your clothes off now. <laughs> that is a true freaking story. If that happened to me when I was 11 years old, I would be terrified. Are you sure it wasn't a dog? Don't no. you go Blue Book era Heineck on me, all right? I will not take that in my home. All right, you, this, this is too weird. You have to take your clothes off. <laughs> oh, I have a little note here. It says, wait for reactions. That didn't really work out. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, oh. This, this is, is fiction, fiction and strange truth. Welcome again to Fiction and Strange Truth. I am William. Do you have the Cavassier? Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, you're right. I was doing the wrong thing. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to Fiction and Strange Truth. With me is... Dustin. And... Steven. And we are going away from oddities today, and we're going to go back into something a little more paranormal. Yay. Our, <laughs> yay, exactly. Thank you. That is the energy I'm looking to get out of this one, <laughs> because this one is super, super energetic and exciting this one is about twins uh, all right <laughs> <laughs> all right our first tale of the night is called anna and the doppelganger that was bad that was, i actually didn't mind that that was nice something kind of sexy about it tucked away in a rural area of 1800s latvia sat a quaint but bustling girls boarding school Young minds passed from class to class, learning some of the most valuable skills a young woman from that era may need to know, such as cooking, sewing, music, and terror. <laughs> and death. <laughs> <laughs> a new teacher, Anna, had just joined the staff, and the girls were excited to see a new face residing over their studies, at least until a peculiar and frightening aspect of the new educator came to light. She had a twin, but not a sibling, birthed in tandem, or some random incalculable happenstance. No, her twin was something ethereal and unknowable. One day, a class of over 40 students sat quietly at their desks, focused on the arrangements of thread, fabrics, and needles before them. A few of them commented to each other about how they were surprised to see their newest teacher outside tending to the garden in the school's courtyard. As they whispered to each other, the class supervisor stepped out to tend to some other business. Not moments later, Anna calmly wandered into the room, quietly taking a seat in the supervisor's chair. She was relatively unnoticed by the class until the group of girls who had been discussing her earlier noticed that while Anna was indeed in class with them, she was also still outside in the courtyard garden. Shocked, the group called out to the others in class and alerted them to the unexplained event before them. Some screamed and ran from class. Others took more moderate caution by moving to the opposite side of the room of the unwanted imposter. But one brave soul mustered her courage and approached the visitor. As she came within arm's reach of this mirror Anna, she attempted to touch the woman's arm to get her attention. This action proved more astonishing than the mysterious double's mere appearance as the girl's hand passed right into the figure. She's inside her. She is inside her. This is reach right inside her. Swag. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that's what the kids are saying these days when they agree with something. It's swag. swag. I thought they said like... So it's like, a verb now. 
I thought you said like fle- fleek or flick or something. Oh, I don't know. Flub, flub. They flub things. Do the kids know. flub things anymore? Yeah, I hope, I hope so. We <laughs> learn from our flubs. But this wasn't the only appearance of this speechless doppelganger, nor was it Anna's only secret. Bum bum bum. That is Anna and the doppelganger. What do you guys think? An ethereal twin who pops up, scares a bunch of girls. It was like, hey, I know you're sewing, but boo. Actually, it didn't say anything. He just wandered in and sat down. But Well, it's Latvia, so what's Latvian for boo? Boo. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> I can look it up. I don't know if they have a word for boo. It's probably like some long sentence. It's like a specter scares or a specter screams and scares you mildly. <laughs> it's like whole one whole thing. Were Anna and the doppelganger wearing identical clothing? Yeah, the, down to a T. They were exactly the same. Hmm. Any identifiable marks, birthmarks, tattoos? None that were noted in any of the reported stories. I don't think they like made Anna take her clothes <laughs> off. So they'd be like, let's look for something. That's what I would have done. All right, you, this, this is too weird. You have to take your clothes off now. <laughs> Did the curtains match the rug? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you, can you imagine just... Some guys would be like, oh, she's got a twin, huh? Just kind of pops up. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Squat and cough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's not the doppelganger. This is the real one. All right. Well, wait, hold on. Let's, let's check again. See if she floats. <laughs> she weighs, weighs more than a duck, right? <laughs> and she's made of wood. That's right. And she's a witch. All right, we are uh, heading more modern for this one. This one is called Personal Personal Antithesis. Antithesis. I used a fancy word. I used a $5 word right there. (laughs) Harvey was on cloud nine. In the two years since he had returned home after the conclusion of the war, he had started a highly profitable machinist firm with a few friends from the army. Alongside this blossoming success, Harvey had begun courting the woman of his dreams, His life was truly at its zenith, but high points have steep drops. Stepping out from his offices after a long day, our smiling suitor made a quick stop at the flower stall down the block, then hopped a cab to the apartment of his love interest, Diane. He knocked on the door, excited for his usual kiss on the cheek and tight affectionate hug, which means he was looking forward to boob contact. Instead, he was greeted by a Diane in a cold, annoyed stance with brow furled and arms crossed she demanded to know why harvey had come by earlier in a drunken and cheeky mood i think he got a little cheeky uh cheeky mean a lot of things usually means a little frisky a little yeah fancy. And got a little he got a little grabby yeah. he was a little he was a little on the booze and got mm. a little little fe- he copped some feels <laughs> so it's his doppelganger not hers maybe mm. we'll find out Confused and greatly concerned, he explained how she must be mistaken as he had not left the office since 9 a.m. that morning. After a few more pleading expressions of concern from Harvey, Diane accepted his apology and returned to her loving manner. I haven't left the office since I started drinking at 9 a.m. this morning. (laughs) Grabbing out my secretary, yeah. (laughs) You guys can guess when this is, right? Because he returned home from the war. Oh, it's mid-century. I figured. I, I figured I didn't need to put the <clears throat> date in, but in case you're the war, the war. So this is like forty-seven. Yeah. 
completely socially acceptable for him to be drinking since 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who knows? Maybe this will go to this story. Days later, while at work, Harvey was approached by a few of his company co-owners. They expressed concern over the hours he was spending back at work each night and the shoddy quality of his work when he did so. They left his office after explaining to him that he could either shape up or ship out. To use military terms. He spent an hour racking his mind over who could be damaging his career and decided to take an early day heading home. To his surprise, Diane was waiting for him inside. She explained that she had got his message and was glad to be done with him. She stormed past him with a small bag containing what little items she had left in his abode. In tears of rage and sorrow, he was about to follow when the phone rang. Lifting the handset to his ear, he caught the unmistakable sound of his own voice demanding to talk to Diane. Harvey demanded to know who he was speaking to and why they were dead set on destroying him. He was met with one frightening sentence. So you're this other Harvey shaking me up, huh? Guess I'm coming home to settle this. We have a story of a young woman plagued, well, not really plagued, just kind of around a copy of herself. And then, uh, yeah, another story of a man having his life taken apart by some uh, total a-hole copy who thinks he's the real Harvey. Sounds like a uh, Don Draper situation where perhaps his identity was stolen in the war. Mm, And the real dead Mm. Don Draper came back. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's the twist of this story. It was actually a zombie madman. But perhaps, perhaps he was just missing and uh, presumed dead, and then uh, found out someone took over his life and mm. was like, "You asshole!" Well, somehow this other Harvey is able to convince every other person that he's the real Harvey. But also from what you said, like, "Oh, you're the Harvey that's fucking my life up." But also from what he said, that uh, you're the oh, you're the other Harvey. Like, he also has the same, like, he thinks he's the real Harvey. Yeah. You know? So and, it's like. And when he picked up the handset, he heard his own voice. Yeah. So, because I was thinking, like, oh, it's some it's some jerk who's, like, got, you know, like, he's made himself to look like Harvey and is just going around. Mm. But, like, how, like, a wife, you know, it's hard to fool a wife. It's not his wife, though. He's just courting her. Still. Mm. I mean, like, you know, uh. There was that movie with Kevin Klein where he uh, plays the president and a guy who plays the president's like stand-in because they're identical, mm. even though they're not related. <laughs> and then he has to actually, the president has a stroke, so he has to be the, be president. the president for a while because uh. of the nefarious schemes of the chief of staff. But his wife, Sigourney Weaver, sees him in the shower and is like, yeah, my husband isn't that big <laughs> so, and then she proceeds to say and then nothing she sticks, yeah and then she's, she's in on the joke for or in on the scheme for the rest of the movie spoilers <laughs> but like um as far as which which one yeah sorry gravity as far as which one is made up or real i think the i'll just say the i think the school ghost one is the real story mm. And they were probably just looking at a reflection or something. You don't you don't have a vision in your mind of two Har- twin two twin Harveys going at it, uh, they live style no, and alley behind their house. They live, but also uh, that weird one of Dennis Villeneuve's early movies with Jake Gyllenhaal called Enemy. 
where he finds a doppelganger of himself in Toronto. Mm. But I don't want to get off on movie <laughs> tangent here. This is your paranormal show. Don't sound too excited. Yeah. I don't want you to trip over your enthusiasm, Stephen. This is your paranormal <laughs> show. But yeah, I think the I'll, I'm going to say that the first story is the real story just because it's probably these girls in Latvia were looking at someone's reflection or it's the dancing in the woods thing. They, mm. just, they had to make something up to cover for something. I don't know. A class of 40, 40 girls. Okay. All 40 of them. <laughs> Dustin, your thoughts. Are all 40 girls li- – wow, I said that really weird. Hey, if all, all 40, 40 girls, girls if, liars. If there's, if there's 40 girls that can all agree not to go to the dance with me, there's 40 girls that can all keep the same story straight uh, about the doppelganger, all right? Some hurt there. Uh, school. <laughs> Sorry, Dustin. <laughs> You're good. I'm still uh, I'm still thinking. Yeah, I, I think the Latvia story is the truer – truer true true story (laughs) yeah i just think there's um could be a reflection could be could be someone who shopped at the same store and wore the same clothes on the same day and was Uh, was ethereal (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it was just one of those days you know uh we all have those days when we just feel invisible and, uh, you know, mm. sometimes, sometimes you just are invisible, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations, gentlemen, because just like both the Harveys, you guys have good taste. Mm. The, uh, doppelganger story is, or the, uh, the teacher's doppelganger story is the truth. It is known as the doppelganger of Emily Saget. Oh yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's the, that the con- one. Yeah. The conjuring five. <laughs> The doppelganger of Emily Sarge. Well, see, that's the that's the thing, though. We'll get into it here in a second. But Emily Sarge's doppelganger is a very docile doppelganger. We're going to get into this tragic tale. Accounts of this ghostly twin come to us from Robert Dale Owen's 1860 book, Footfalls on the Boundary of Another World. Available on Amazon for both Kindle and so- or soft cover <laughs> paperback. flaccid cover books you know the events recounted for dale owen by julie von gulbenstub (laughs) from her time spent at the passionat von nuelk a boarding school is in which is now modern day latvia when she was 13 years old i do apologize i am going to butcher any non-standard english word in this one Mm -hmm. because i cannot speak latvian to save my life Emily Saget came to the boarding school in 1845 with strong references and a reputation as being a well-respected and proficient teacher. However, her arrival came with the news that this position was the 19th teaching role that the 32-year-old Emily had taken in less than 16 years. This was a bit odd as short-term traveling teachers were far from commonplace in 1800s, or at least in Latvia. Please send an email to us or comment if my accent is absolutely atrocious and you can get me to say Latvia correctly. Because out of respect for anyone in Latvia, I would like to pronounce your (laughs) country with the proper accent. The girls at Pashinat van Nuelk, or Nuelk, I'm going to say that. The girls of Pashinat Pansionat van 
new elk took to Emily quite quickly, and it seemed as though she may have finally found a school where she could remain for the remainder remaining years of her scholarly career. However, it wasn't very long before bizarre events began to plague the campus and classrooms around poor Emily. It seemed that the headmaster of the school didn't just hire one Emily Saget, but two! Oh, well, there you go. They hired two. Oh, okay. You're right. I just circumvented the whole story. (laughs) The first sighting of this ghastly marionette had not one or two witnesses, but a full class of 17 young girls. Emily was writing on the classroom's slate chalkboard, facing away from the students, when an entity appearing to be a twin to her in every way faded into being beside her. It was dressed identically to Emily, carried her same hairstyle, and mimicked her movements as she wrote, as if it was an image somehow projected from the woman herself. The students called out to their teacher in dismay, and as Emily turned, the vaporous vision vanished. I'm not going to do a full V for Vendetta. I'm just going to do three Vs in a row. I won't do like 85 like he did. As the days progressed, the terrifying projected visage of Emily Saget faded in and out, seemingly at random and with no regard for the age or number of witnesses. Students and staff alike had no difficulty in managing to catch a glimpse of the spectral puppet that followed the oblivious young woman. It sat next to her as she ate, mirroring her actions, appeared in front of numerous classes and students, and even gave one particular girl the shock of her life. Static? She gave static. Oh, oh. Emily was assisting her student with a complicated and cumbersome dress for a school event. While she worked at the skirt of the garment, the student looked down, impatient with the process, only to see that Emily's mysterious twin had appeared and seemed to be assisting her with with assembly of the elaborate dress. But this girl's brush with the dubious doppelganger wasn't in any respect the closest. A few students were brave or possibly stupid enough to attempt to make physical contact with this mirror Emily. As their hands came to touch this ethereal being, they found no tangible structure to her frame. Their hands would pass through, feeling only the sensation akin to pushing through dense cobwebs. So they did feel something when they reached into the doppelganger, but their hands would just go into it, which I think is really strange because there are tons of doppelganger stories out there. A lot of them are just like Reddit, you know, creepypastas or whatever, and they're just completely made up. But there's some pretty credible ones where there's like tons of witnesses and things like that. And... There's lots of cases of doppelganger speaking or showing up, you know, at the same time as the person, but not a lot of people saying it felt like passing into cobwebs. There was either, uh, I can't touch it at all, or it's a, it's a person. So this is a little interesting. The most notable encounter happened in a class of 42 students studying sewing. A few of the girls in class noticed Emily tending to the school's garden outside as their class supervisor stepped out for a brief respite. Moments later, Emily strolled into class and sat at the supervisor's desk, partially ignored by the class until one of the girls called out to the others. Emily Saget was still outside minding the plants of the Pensionat von Neuelk grounds. This twin, or whatever it was, although never witnessed by Emily herself, took its toll on the innocent educator. 
While her doppelganger appeared, Emily would look drained and ill, as if energy was being pulled from her. Its image, being unpredictable and unexplainable, began to wear away the patience and good nature of the staff and students of Pensionat von Dwelk in the, heavy, in the heavily religious and superstitious 1800s. Sadly, this left them with no choice but to leave poor, sweet Emily Sage in the market for her 20th teaching opportunity. And that is the sad case of Emily Sage and her doppelganger. You know what they say about life. A woman whose number reaches 20. No, what is... <laughs> too high of a number. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was swinging dark. <laughs> I thought it was I a think, straight brown joke, but yeah. man, that, went, that was down a hill that I was not that looking was, at. No, that was the plot of a romantic comedy back oh. in the day, but no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> so so what are you guys' thoughts on this? This one is pretty cool because it does come firsthand and it's not just some lady. This this girl yeah. was the daughter of a noble a semi nobleman, a duke or landowner or something. I didn't keep his stuff because I don't know, for some reason his title annoyed me and I have no reason for that. But it kinda I just didn't want to report him. And it does have the most important number in the universe as the number of students in class, which I mean that's gotta be a sign. Right? Sixty nine. No, 42. Oh. No, that's the most fun number I thought it was 17. That was 42. No, but the number of students in the class, wasn't it 17? That was the first class. The first time. Yeah, when when Emily Sage was outside minding the garden, but she was also in the classroom, that was 42 students all at the same time. I think Emily's spirit is trapped in the nexus. Really? Yeah. And she's somehow like... She's projecting. Projecting herself. She's an astral projection. (laughs) Well, this one's weird because the the uh, the doppelganger would either do exactly what Emily was doing or it would do what Emily was intending to do. Uh, because when they asked Emily about it later, she said the next thing she was doing when she was finished with the garden was to come in and help supervise that class. Could Emily see the doppelganger? Only other people, only third parties. Emily never once saw it. Uh-huh. She, she rode her... Uh, so this was all one big joke that they're all playing on Emily. Gullible and... Poor, innocent, earnest, gullible Emily. Maybe, potentially, except for the fact that when reaching out to the other schools, she was fired from all 18 previous jobs because of weird twins of her popping up and scaring students. So it was following her following her everywhere, uh, which is another rare doppelganger thing. Usually doppelgangers like show up, do some stuff, and then they're gone or they kill you. Uh, supposedly if you see your own doppelganger, that means it's like going to kill you or you're about to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so good news there, Emily. You're doing great. Well, she's not doing great now. She's definitely dead for like 160 years yeah Yeah, so again yeah mid-19th century superstitious eastern europe i don't know dustin take it away um well okay i got a question for you all right so these 42 witnesses there wasn't a single one of them that was like you know what actually the story the rest of these guys are telling is complete bullshit none that ever wanted to come forward and say so and this this did go into a book that had wide publication and was pretty popular when it came out. It's actually a very early paranormal book. Uh, not a lot of people would write about this. So, you know, it's eye-catching when it came out. Definitely, there definitely had to be people who knew that the story ended up in this book. And if they thought that that lady, and considering that lady was the daughter of, a, a, you know, an important person, you'd think if they wanted to attack her character, this would be the chance. 
and they didn't. It's the type of paranormal story I I wish I could believe in. Uh, like when I was a kid, I was really, really into paranormal and ghost hunting. I wanted to be a ghost hunter. And I really believed in everything when I was a kid. It's just sort of something I grew out of. And I wish I could go back to it. I wish I could just snap my fingers and then all of a sudden believe in that sort of thing again. And if I did, this is like the type of story that I'd like to believe in. It's not... You know, it's not volatile or it's not hurting anybody. It's not violent in any way. Yeah. It's just kind of around. Well, and that's the weird thing about this, too, because so th- this kind of goes back to our, our first episode in the Loveland Frogman when I was trying to trying to get you guys to kind of understand the point of like the story wound down. So therefore, it should be true because fake stories usually wind up. This one kind of is in the same way. You know, there was no, oh, and then the doppelganger picked up a pencil and wrote this on the board or anything like that. It is the doppelganger would show up, chill around, help with a dress, sometimes mimic her eating, and then just, boop, gone. Never did anything to her. In fact, I, I bet you if this was happening today, one, there'd be tons of cell phone footage of it, and two, the school would probably not care because the students probably wouldn't care. Like, the students would be like, oh, yeah, you know, Mrs. Smith's twin showed up again, but she just wrote double on the board, so I have more homework, you know, <laughs> not... <laughs> Not, oh, okay, so Emily, you have this twin that shows up and is intangible and says nothing and doesn't do anything to anyone, so we're going to have to let you go. So on the lines of her being like the daughter of some important guy, he's like a baron or some Yeah, I think he's a baron. It's like Uh, Baron Baron von Gubelstager. So what if she's like a Habsburg kid, you know, like uh, Charles II of Spain? You know, where the Habsburgs were so inbred that, you know, they they literally just pooped out moron kid like kids that were physically and mentally defect like defective, right? But they were royalty. So guess what? You have the IQ of this stick of butter, you get to be king of Spain. <laughs> <laughs> because the other guy is even worse. I don't know. But like so it could be like people just making excuses for why they don't want to say they don't want to say they don't like the daughter of the rich guy in town, the lord, the local lord. Like, uh, oh, so know. they're so they're just they 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 they, they like, call no, BS, man, but they like, call it quietly. It's not my fault. She, I, we can't I keep firing her. She's a twin. Uh, <laughs> it's an interdimensional shift, always near her. So why why then? So if people could just make up this doppelganger. You know, to make these people look bad or, you know, like the, the people were just too afraid to like stand up while the lady was, you know, telling the story. Why, why, why would the lady just say, take the time to make up not only the fact of the intangibility of the doppelganger, but the sensation of a feeling going through it? Mm. Why have that imagination with her if she's just making this up? Or if she's making it up, why not make herself the hero? It seems weird to me that if she's just BSing this poor dude who's trying to write the, the first paranormal book or whatever, she would try to make it a little more grandiose. But she's mm. like, no, it showed up and never said anything, and it felt like cotton candy if you touched it. So uh, I think that can be explained like you were saying it there there wasn't a whole lot of paranormal stories. Yeah, she's selling at the, the story. time. Mm. So every, everything was new. Um and they Maybe oh, I'm sorry. No, finish your thought. I'm sorry. Uh I lost my train of thought. Damn, <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Steven. It's all good. Um, um 
So, so you're saying so it's new. So you're saying the fact it didn't have to be grandiose because there was nothing better by comparison. Yeah, there, there was exactly. no there was no yes anding or one upsmanship at that point. Yeah, there didn't have to be. Hmm. Or so she's rich, right? She's you know like I'm going back with this upper class angle again. What if did did they lose their money or they lose their estate somehow? And like she's trying to sell a book, right? Like the the thing about um men this time like to be to go it was hard to get back into money like you had to have it you had to be born into it so if you lost it like you would do anything or make up any story to get back into money including selling a book but this isn't her book this is but she's telling the story to some guy who's writing the book who's but the book isn't just this story his his book is a cat like paranormal accounts Mm, she is just a chapter from within it but she'll still get paid that's, what I'm, that's all I'm assuming. Yeah, but that much for the story? That would be Who like knows? a ton. Well, and and yeah, so th- this was Robert Robert Dale Owen's book. His last name is Dale-Owen. So it's not Robert Dale Owen. It's Robert Dale Owen. Dale Owen. Dale Owen. So yeah, th- this is just an account in his book. And I, I do get your, you know, your thing of like the upper class. They, f- they either feel like telling a story or they feel like they're going to get a dime out of it or something. And I completely understand. Like you've ever seen Downton Abbey where they're like... The whole point of that show is like they're they're afraid they're going to lose their house and be middle class. <laughs> you you're like oh my god and like you know that's the way it was in old Europe back in the day. Yeah, the entire video game Outer Worlds is based on basically that comment you yeah, just made. I believe that. <laughs> and yeah, I I completely agree with Dustin's point also that you know there's there's nothing grandiose yet at that time, uh you know to to be in comparison so she didn't have to make up anything complicated or cool she could just tell whatever ghost story she was thinking of my only issue with that between both both those kind of comments is you you kind of had a rep you had to keep when you were when you were you know of upper class and things like that you didn't reduce yourself to making up stories with the ribble rabble and and the other part of like her just making up the grandiose stories this is like the area of the world where we have stories of like elves and you know yeah, like horses said, that you stick to and go underwater. Eastern Europe, yeah. This is Baba yeah, Yaga. This is Dracula territory. Everywhere. This yeah. is from like this is from like Scotland, Ireland, up through like Russia and everything yeah. like that. You just you the old world. You you have yeah. You have places with a lot of history that have a lot of these ghost stories in them. So by the 1800s, there was way more complicated and ridiculous stuff coming out, including a lady who who had gotten taken. Uh, this is like 1700s, I believe, this story. But she was taken to the elf world and and had a, a one-night stand with an elf. And then they <laughs> sent her back to the mortal world and was they like... They stole her underpants. Well, but they, they're like, we'll, we'll take care of you. And like she told her story. And then, of course, you know, they're like, throw her in a convent. She's nuts. And they like, they sequestered her in this convent. So like she wasn't a nun. They just sequestered her there. <laughs> and they're like, well, starve her to death because she's weird. And, but she she said that her elf dude would you know come in for a little a little bang and and leave her food and she never starved to death she never died of dehydration even though she wasn't being fed there so you know we we have big stories by this time so that's why at least for me i'm not saying you guys are wrong you guys are are probably are (laughs) and very well could be right and this is all just made up but it's very convincing for me for the fact of if you're going to make this up in a time in the world when there's already grandiose stories or you have a tendent or have a uh, have a position that could harm your family, you you just kind of wouldn't do it. You just it's like eh, if I'm making this up is better or if I'm if I'm putting the story out, this better be legit. So that's that's just my stance on it. 
I understand your mm-hmm. point and I respect it. Hmm. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we keep things cordial on fiction and strange truth. No, no brawling or filibustering. Since I apparently stumped the skeptics, we will head out uh, from fiction, fiction and, and strange, strange truth. truth. Dustin, you will believe in twins one day. Just, just. Regular twins. They are real. I don't no, know why not. we... Okay. <laughs> uh, you keep go, You keep saying this. <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen, I'll just try to get you to believe in like, I, I don't know, rich people who don't make stuff up. <laughs> Ketchup and ranch together is real. I believe, <laughs> I believe in that. <laughs> you can get a hold of us via fictiontruthpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send us a suggestion for a story I should cover. Uh, let us know something about the podcast that you like, don't like. Uh, feel free to leave comments or, uh, you know, uh, give us a like on uh, Spotify, Anchor FM, Fixer. I think we're on a couple things out there. And uh, we will join you all next time with more stories of the weird or the paranormal. Hello, all four Fiction and Strange Truth fans. Just a quick message from host William here. Uh, Due to work and life being a little bit heavy, a little bit stressful right now, we are taking a short hiatus uh, so I can kind of recoup, recharge, and get some good writing in for these paranormal stories. We will be coming back in the Halloween season this October, probably second Uh, or third week of October by the time I get everything said and done. So you might come back into a Halloween spooktacular and we can all have fun with that. So thank you for being a fan of Fiction and Strange Truth. Again, if you have any suggestions for stories or just want to contact us, uh, please feel free to drop us a line at fictiontruthpodcast at gmail.com and we will see you all again very soon. (laughs) 